Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Hey, thank you, Joseph. Hi everyone, welcome and welcome to Training with Casey. I'm your host, Casey Covert, and today we're talking about the flavors of aggression and whether or not they're relevant, whether or not they're relevant. I have seen so many times when animals were described as having fear aggression or predatory aggression or whatever else. And it struck me as it's just erroneous. It's just doesn't have any relevance to actually solving the problem. And it may be that the animal is acting out because of one thing or another, but is that a type of aggression or is that a motivation? And the motivation for aggression might be to gain resources or to control resources like a person. Uh, for example, a problem I've seen with certain dogs, if they have a caretaker that comes to take care of them and then goes to leave the the dogs may threaten the person to prevent them from leaving. Perfectly happy as long as the caretaker is there, but they're not going to let them leave. I've seen people erroneously describe aggression as fear aggression. Often this comes from animals that have been in a shelter. Let me give you an example of what this can look like and how the animal reveals the truth. I remember clearly a case where a very talented trainer was working with a dog and she really cared about this dog and the dog really liked her. But with other people, the dog would kind of sidle up behind them, kind of stalk them from behind and get close and then faint away, turn away and and dash with his head cowed like they were going to try to hit him. And people interpreted that as fear aggression because then he would bark and lunge. I, I, I knew it wasn't fear aggression. And I put it to the test in the following way. And by the way, I will never do this again. And it, it indicated great trust of this trainer. But um, but I think I was right on this one. Because person lets the dog be loose in the room. And we're not working with the dog. And I'm trusting her assessment of the dog. I sit down on a sofa. Note to everyone. Don't sit down on a sofa with a dog that is loose and you don't know that dog well enough that you decide that it's okay 
to sit on a sofa. It It's so important not to sit down when you're training animals that with exotics, nobody's allowed to sit down. You're not ready for action and the animals know it. But with dogs, we're used to sitting around on the sofa with our own dogs and so on. It's easier to fall into a dangerous situation. So the dog came up and sidled behind me and then darted away. And I just ignored the dog. And I walked another step or two further and the dog came up behind me and just pushed my calf. And I'm not sure, I don't actually remember exactly what the next step was. You know, it, it actually, I think it was this. I sat down on the sofa and the dog came up and challenged me just a little bit on the sofa. Like he didn't bark and lunge. He came up and he just, you know, did that kind of thing uh, where he kind of lurched just a little bit forward, not lunging and barking or threatening, but just kind of lurching forward, kind of to fake me out. Like, am I, are you gonna try to catch me? And then he retreated like he had to get away in time to be safe. And of course, I just ignored this dog. But I got up from the sofa and that's when he started to come forward the third time. I asked the trainer to get him on a leash and she was in the process of doing that. But he probably heard exactly what I said. And as she's getting the leash, he comes forward a third time comes behind me and pushes my calf from behind. Now, if he was dealing out of fear, then he was an idiot because I didn't do anything. I wasn't even paying any attention to him. And people that describe their dog as having fear aggression are often people that got a dog from a shelter and they've had him for 10 years. Well, how dumb is your dog? How long does it take him to figure out that he no longer has to have fear? It isn't fear. Here's what it is. When animals experience a, an emotionally huge event, what can happen is they can also experience a surge in dopamine. So they accidentally discover a way to self-medicate with dopamine through an emotional experience. And I've read various things about how this becomes uh, like a malignant pathway in the brain where the, the person that has this experience, whether it's a dog or a human, will keep reliving that acutely stressful uh, event to re-trigger the dopamine release. And whatever the scenario was in which that animal first experienced that event, they're very likely to recreate all that. 
So if they experience that, maybe the dog did get beaten initially by somebody and maybe they were afraid initially, but they are then in a situation where they no longer have to worry about that, but they still act as they did in that initial situation. It can be self-reinforcing to relieve this experience and the animal can become trapped and it can be very dangerous for others. This mechanism may also be seen in PTSD. I'm not saying that all PTSD is this way, but some of it is. So this is why the type of aggression I don't believe matters because all of these aggressions result in dopamine delivery, <clears throat> excuse me. And whether you're, you know, descending on something to grab it or running away for your life or, you know, you see something terrible, there's a dopamine release that you may not want to consciously re-experience, but with which the unconscious processes in your brain recognize are associated. So this scenario is associated with dopamine release. And your subconscious mind can work to recreate those experiences. Trapping you in a situation or trapping a dog in a situation that they don't want to be in. So what do we do to solve this problem? Perception modification. Perception modification is a protocol where we empower animals to cope with stress and manage their emotions. We take them through a process of studying their arousal, their fear, whatever it is, and learning how to choose a different emotion. And then we go through and help them work out their ability to attain and maintain relaxation in the face of a trigger. And we work until we get to that point where the animal chooses to turn away from the opportunity to harvest dopamine through arousal. And then the animal is self-managing after that point. They're no longer dependent on the people in their lives to guide them, to, uh, you know, limit them, to make them do the thing right. This is huge because every day I see trainers talking about how they hate to send animals home because they're afraid that the owners will not do what they need to do. They're afraid that the dog will slip back. When we work with these animals, we fall in love with them. We care about what happens to them. We see them 
working their hearts out to try to reclaim and recreate their own lives. We do not want to let them go back to failure. But here's the thing. The safety for that dog does not rest in the owners following your directions. It rests in the dog following your directions or whatever kind of animal it is. When the dog understands what happens to him with arousal and understands how to change that situation so he's no longer subject to that arousal, then we have true healing. I have to tell you, I've had dogs that I could not change with perception modification. Not very many. I, I tend to get really difficult animals because, um, you know, that's why the people come to me. Out of those really difficult animals, over 97% of them we can turn around. I'm not talking about we can turn 97% of the dogs around. We can turn 97% of the difficult dogs around. And when I've actually gone out and tracked the results, it's been even better than that. But there are a few dogs that we cannot get to correct. But I have yet to have a dog that corrected that backslid that I ever learned of, okay? It has been very reliable. Now, I'm not telling you that that is going to be your results. And I'm not telling you how to train a dog or deal with arousal. I'm telling you what I do and what results it's gotten me. So in summary, I don't bother to classify the type of aggression that the animal has because I know that the universal mediator of all reinforcement is the neurotransmitter dopamine. So no matter what it looks like the cause is, the payoff is always dopamine. I don't care what the animal likes to do. The dopamine is the literal payoff. How he gets the dopamine can look different ways. So I'm going to go in and teach the dog how to manage himself and his lust for dopamine. And that doesn't depend. That process of teaching the dog to manage himself differently does not depend on what kind of aggression he showed. And there you have it. It is, I think, that simple. All right, thank you for spending time with me. And I hope you will keep listening. Please subscribe, like, share with your friends, and thank you for your patience as we've made our new home on Podbean. Take care, everyone. See you next time.
Hey fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Cover on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Cover. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.